Now Kerr, looking for the long, oh that's brilliant. And Sam Kerr has surely clinched the title now. World-class players do world-class things. That's more like it. That's what we <laughs> want to see. 2 0 win, Chelsea over Manchester City. Didn't quite do it the easy way, made things a little hard, but they worked in the end. You get the result. I'm Andre Carlisle. Welcome to Fran Kirby's Fight Club, and I am here with Miriam. Miriam, how are you? I'm great. You know, I, I I woke up really early today, got a bunch of stuff done. I went to the gym and I came back and, and guess what? We were 1-0 up and, and guess who scored? Fran Kirby, you know, <laughs> the person who we based this podcast on. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, despite some questionable tactics and maybe a few other things we'll get into um, a bit later, we managed to wrap it up and I thought it was a really good performance overall, but there are specifics to talk about, but before we do that, I kind of want to know what you think about the lineup today. Oh, yeah. So um, before we get into that, I want to, because you mentioned Fran Kirby, and I saw uh-huh. a stat that dropped that I want to make sure I mention it off the top before we get into the conversation and I forget. Um, let me find it. I am scrolling. There we go. Uh, it's from Jake Cohen uh, on Twitter. That is now 21 goals and 13 assists for Fran Kirby in her last 21 league starts. Insane. 21 starts, 21 goals, but also 13 assists. (laughs) Fran Kirby is so good. Um, Yeah, okay, to the lineup. There were no big surprises. I think it was good to see Fleming back. I think we definitely missed her against Liverpool. Um, I was... Kind of had an outside, like, hopeful, like, belief that we might see Pernilla harder, but apparently the hamstring tweak was a little bit more than they thought. It wasn't just precaution last match. It seems like mm-hmm. it's keeping her. It kept her out of this one. Not in the team at all. Um, so I am hoping there is a game midweek, so maybe maybe we see her there. If she's actually okay and there was just no reason to risk her, I don't know. So we will see. Um, but, yeah, um, seemed like. The, the back three I would expect. You bring in Khadija Buchanan, you're going to play her with Millie Bright and Magda Erickson. That seems to be what we're going to do. Um, and so I I think the surprise for me, though, was seeing Mary Mielda. What about you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that was really quite interesting and insightful. I mean, there were a couple of things that were quite surprising. We saw the return of Berger. Hmm. Um, oh, yes. Boy, did she have an amazing performance for someone who is still in the process of recovering from a cancer diagnosis. Incredible. Um, Say that sentence again, by the way, because that's just incredible. This woman is currently in the process of getting treatment, chemotherapy for cancer, which causes a whole host of physical illnesses. I mean, the more obvious ones like hair loss, but beyond that sickness and, and, and affecting all sorts of stuff. And then she manages to pull out a clean sheet and a game-saving performance to give us our first win of the season. That's crazy. That is just... The human body boggles the mind. Um, so that was another interesting one, as you say, Fleming returned. But Mielda, we haven't seen for so long, recovering from injury on on the back of everything that happened for last season. But I think one thing that we really missed her in, not just in a defensive way, but in an attacking fashion. And I think today against City, she was there for that purpose. Yeah, I think I, yeah, I want to echo that. I mean, Berger being back was just not, not, 
expected at all seeing her in the mm-hmm. starting lineup and I think she was absolutely fantastic in this match but yeah you you mentioned you know Melda and I think even like Lauren James it is interesting to see how Chelsea is doing this right mm-hmm. like those are two players who dealt with pretty serious injuries and we basically kept them on the shelf last season you know they got you know some time here and there but we didn't really rely on them at all and it was really just to make sure that and I think uh, Flo Lloyd Hughes has a great piece on it in The Athletic uh, regarding Lauren James. We might have to link that. But it's just basically being patient, making sure a player is fully recovered, fully fit, building them up, not just saying, are you injury free, but then building them up so that they don't have a recurrence of injuries as well. And I think having the time to do so is really important. And I really give like a massive shout out to like Chelsea's medical team and Emma Hayes mm-hmm. for just having the patience to do that and say, you know what? this will pay off for us in the long run. You know, you, you do have like Mara who's at a different stage of her career towards the end, whereas Lauren James is in the beginning. So there are two different players at different pe- places in their career, but you also have the same thing because it's really, it's like player focus, making sure the player is fully fit and okay. And that's really good. And I think we got rewarded by some performances today. You know, I, I did not expect to see Mielda. I will not lie. I was a little concerned <laughs> given Chelsea's wingers and how they attack. Uh, but Lauren James has been absolutely unreal. And I think Melda um, had a great game as well, including the penalty to seal the game. Absolutely. And I, I think it was really important to have her there because another player who we saw return, um, maybe not in the starting lineup, but we did see Sophie Ingle back in the side. And it was a substitution where Fleming was brought off. And, I, and it was exactly the same way it happened in the Liverpool game. But I felt like in, in that game, there was a real struggle to to contain the Liverpool midfield, especially from corners, free kicks, um, um, set pieces. But here she came on, and um, if I'm remembering correctly, I think it was past the 60th minute, maybe 20 minutes left. Um, it was a defensive change, obviously, and there was a clear focus on on really keeping a lockdown on the midfield, a midfield that seemed like it was already struggling. Um, Man City's new signing, who's, who's basically come in to replace the gaping hole that is Kira Walsh, um, I don't want to butcher her name. We, we were practicing it before. <laughs> I know her first name is Leia, um, but I feel like <laughs> once again, I feel go. yeah, I feel like we can't really be calling players with their first names. Alexandre, um really struggled. She struggled in the first game against Aston Villa, and here she was struggling again. I think on a collective, there was a real focus from Emma Hayes to to make sure that City weren't able to play possession based style of football in the, on their counter attack, and I think that's maybe why. We saw um, Chelsea not pressing as much. We know that pressing it, pressing as a collective unit, um, especially if you're in a defensive formation, can leave certain gaps and holes. And a team like City should be able to exploit those holes. Now, this is just my personal conspiracy theory helmet belief. But I, I do think that's why Chelsea were holding off, um, keeping the compact formation to stop the, the midfield from being able to provide passage to the wingers. And maybe not so su- successfully in the first half because Bunny Shaw was ripping us up. She was ripping us up real yes. good. Um, but one thing that we were doing, and it's it's so like it's such an alien feeling to think that Man City's wingers, Chloe Kelly and Nora Hemp, um, weren't getting involved in the game. They were trying very hard to come in centrally, but they weren't. And I think that might have been the focus for Emma Hayes. This is just a, a speculation, by the way. I, I, I don't know for sure. Uh, what do you think, Andre? <laughs> no, I mean, it makes sense as to why Chelsea wasn't pressing. I mean, it did seem like we created havoc and created chances when we pressed high. I think that, you know, that, that midfield of Manchester City now 
is not at all what it was last season. Mm-hmm. You know, Stanway, Weir, and Walsh not being there, all three of those players leaving, you know, and I do have respect for Cassianos, Alexandria, and Coombs. Like, I do think those are in- intriguing players, interesting players, but they're not the players that left, and they don't have a lot of that cohesion together either. This is only their second game. Well, you know, they had some some Champions League qualification where they lost to Real Madrid again. So they had more <laughs> more games to to uh to try to to try to get them to try to build some sort of cohesion. But I don't I don't know about the approach. You know, I I'm I'm still we talk about it on this pod. Emma Hayes likes to do something new uh-huh. to challenge herself, to challenge her players every single season. You know, a couple seasons ago it was a really intense high press. You know, last season it was the back three. This season, I can't really figure out what it is. <laughs> and I don't know if it's because we didn't get the midfielder that we wanted in like Grace Gallardo or someone else. I don't know if it's that some of the pieces aren't ready yet to be into the team. Maybe Kankovic, you know, uh, another kind of um, midfielder who should have a bit of creativity about her. Um, if you look at how she played with Rosengard. So, like, I don't quite know what thing is from Emma Hayes and Chelsea this season. And I'm a little concerned. But the approach from City, or the approach to today's City game, made sense in terms of making sure that they weren't able to get their wingers flying at you up the flanks, and then like that mm-hmm. is how they cause. I mean, England basically won the Euros by just having pretty, you know their wingers much. fly up and down the wing, and so I understand trying to contain them. That's the best part of City. But we also were like, like you mentioned, Bunny Shaw was just, I mean, dropping deep into midfield, and there was like. Our players were bouncing off her. We had no way to t- control her. She was first to second balls. Even if she wasn't first, she was able to maneuver her body to move somebody else out of the way so that she had better positioning on the ball. She was just outrageous in this game, and she was scaring me. And I was like, please unretire Ellen White so Garrett Taylor can play <laughs> her instead because I much more prefer Ellen White in this team as opposed to Buddy Shaw because she was just dominating. Yeah, I think I think maybe also there's like a focus to stop teams from counterattacking on us, uh, and maybe again that falls upon the deep lying defensive midfielder that we didn't get, or whether as you say, Kankovic is ready. What the situation is with Leipzig, um, and because you don't want the team to counterattack, you try to reduce those gaps, and by reducing those gaps, you might decide to drop off as a team. And it's so anti-Chelsea. That's why it's so strange to say. Um, you know, not to say that we're completely gung ho or anything, but we're a team who don't hold back. We're, we're ferocious. We we press with high intensity. So I think part of the the reason why it's it's like so disconcerting is that it's that's just an alien feeling for Chelsea to do something that that goes against everything that we saw in the last couple of seasons. But I think maybe it's a a point of preservation or or conservation, conservation or preservation, both maybe. I was going to um, say I'm going to go with both. <laughs> um. The fact that we don't have that player ready yet, um, and if at the moment all we can do really is recycle Sophie Ingle into the game to protect us um, or protect the back three, then maybe the point is is that we'll just be a bit more reserved, conserved, preserved, whatever, <laughs> and um, and just not let teams come onto us. But as you say, it wasn't really working so much in the first half. So then you've got to consider um, how effective that's going to be. Maybe this was just a trial. Maybe we're not going to see it ever again, and we'll. We'll talk at the end of the season and be like, remember that one weird game where we did that one weird thing? Um, <laughs> or maybe it becomes a thing. Who knows? Well, I was going to say, I think it's two weird weird games. And, uh-huh. I, and I, yep. I do think the Liverpool game, and we talked about it on the last pod, but that really, like the the late the late change to the game plan when you have Pernilla Harder pull out and Sophie Ingle come in, those players are not like for like at all. So that does change things. So 
Um, but the, I, I think that's also why I was so interested to see what this lineup was going to be and how we were going to approach the game. You know, I was aware and understood that the game plan against Liverpool basically went out of the window before the game even kicked off because of the harder injury. And I wanted to see, like, what would a, a straight up, like, first choice 11 put on the on the pitch with the first game plan, you know, like the plan A, what are they going to look like? What are they going to do? How are they going to function? And I was just like, wow, this this is this is it, huh? <laughs> and, and, you know, there's I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard. I don't want to sound you know, talk down about, I mean, we, we got a two nil win city did create some chances, but you know, we, we burger was very good. We do rely on her to make key saves. Once we, you know, we, we limit chances, but when there are chances, it's her job to stop them from going in. And she did that very well today. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I kind of look at Chelsea. I look at Manchester city and I think about like the talent on both teams and we're three time champions. You know, like we were in a Champions League final what a, a season ago. Like we are a very dominant team. And right now it doesn't look like we're playing to the strengths of our talent. Like Sam Kerr has been absent kind of for like two games. And no, she's wrongly called offside a bunch in the Liverpool game. But this game didn't seem like she was really like in it all that much. And that's concerning to me because we have the talent. And I don't know what the actual plan is. Like you said, I mean, it is the second game. So maybe this isn't what we're going to do, but I just like, I was, I found myself scratching my head. Like this is not familiar Chelsea to me. And I'm trying to figure out what Emma Hayes wants to do this season with the team. And maybe it's saving the legs a little bit, not pressing high, not doing a lot, you know, like you said, preservation and conservation uh, so that we can get through the season healthy, get through the Champions League. You just improve the, the probability that we do that. I don't really know. I'm not sure. It just seemed like a tentative approach that I I think worked, but I also see there are ways in which it could have backfired again in this game had City been a little sharper, had Shaw, you know, had a few more shots on target or something. And maybe the whole point is we didn't allow that. So job done. Well, yeah, I, I guess guess that's the thing, though, because it worked. It, yeah, it, it worked. It did work. But I think maybe that's a really good point you made. We don't kind of talk about, or we haven't spoken about how this affects the attack. Um, looking at some of the game stats, um, we had one more touch in the box than them. We had 28, they had 27. XG, we had 1.4, they had, they had 0.92. Chances in total, they had um, 12, we had 15. It's not, like if you didn't look at the scoreline, it's not sort of, well, it doesn't seem like a game that was that sort of one-sided and it wasn't it really wasn't as you say it could have gone either way that the handball for the second goal that was you know that is an unfair situation I say that because it happened to us in the last game with Millie Bright um against Liverpool it's it's a difficult situation but we got lucky and Marimielda was able to put it away and to be honest at least I'm, I'm glad she's back just to, if if it's just to do that then I'm glad because I missed that so much Marimielda putting away penalties but you are right, it does affect our attack and you have to consider whether that's worth sacrificing. Consider, you know, for example, Arsenal who have scored four nils twice in a row now and and if, are we doing something that's going to be stopping us from from being able to score more, more openly? And then again, what does that mean for goal difference coming into the end of the season? This is all the kind of stuff you've got to think about now because once it gets down to that final day and, and you're looking at your team and thinking, could we have been less reserved about how we played 
um, take more risks, be less cautious, sign the player we should have signed. <laughs> you, you don't want to be asking yourself those questions because the answer is just sadness and tears. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's like, you know, we, we lost G and didn't really replace her. Um, and so now we're kind of going. And I and I really do wonder, like, was Pranilla Harder's role going to be more of a 10 deeper lying playmaker like G transitioned to be? Um, was that going to be Harder's role? I'm, I'm not sure. If that's the case, then I, 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 I guess we'll have to wait and see when Harder's, you know, healthy, what that looks like and how that changes the attack. So, yeah, I, I do think you're right. Um, I just, I think we're going to have to keep watching and, and just waiting to see what things look like when people are healthy. And I'm hoping that they remain healthy and that we're able to to get players back because it does seem like it, it I think my biggest thing is that we seem a little incomplete right now. Like we mm-hmm. lacked the midfield, the, the the other piece in midfield to really link in there with, with like Fleming and, and Cuthbert to control midfield until the game got a little bit later on uh we started being able to control it you know city's chances we we were able to pick up on their passing patterns again gareth taylor doesn't do a whole lot of adjustments or changing things so once we picked up on it there was a point about you know 30 minutes maybe 20 minutes where in the final 20 or 30 minutes of the game where the game looked kind of easy for us like we maybe had like one chance that City had like a half chance but there wasn't like a big we weren't really worried that we were going to give up a goal to them after a while but again you know we weren't really looking like we were going to give up a goal to Liverpool and then they get two penalties so you know like it's it's one of those things where you can be in control of a match defensively but you don't really know what's going to happen in the course of the match and there are more ways to score a goal you know set pieces and penalties and stuff as opposed to just open play um but I want to switch gears and I want to talk about the first goal because this was a little bit more of the Chelsea I wanted to see and I've been waiting to see. Our first open play goal, really still our only open play goal. <laughs> the other two have been penalties. <laughs> but it was a great move from Jesse Fleming to just leave Steph Houghton like in the dust. Just I don't I, I needed to find like a close I tried to find a close up of it so I could clip it, but I couldn't. I'm gonna have to go back and do that because it was a great move to move to get the ball beyond her. But then I really liked how Guru was like right behind her. And she noticed like, oh, I have a better position on the ball. And I've got like, I've got Frank Kirby in my line of sight. So she just took the initiative like, oh, that was a great move. Thanks for getting by the defender. Now I'm going to make the assist. And it was just a really good, it was really good to, to be able to spot Kirby and then roll the ball to her. And yeah, just rolled the ball into an open net from Frank Kirby and like, we needed that because it, it was, you know, commentary and everybody, you know, on Twitter, basically it was the cliche against the run of play and it was, but we got the goal and that changed the match a little bit because that's what goals do. It, it was against the run of play, but I think something changed in that moment. I think we recognized that there is a weakness on that side. And I, I do feel sorry for Steph Hutton because when she was left out the Euro squad over Jill Scott, you felt like that was kind of the beginning of the end physically maybe yes so I think she's lost her 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 power and presence in that position um and since then you know she's spoken to Serena Wigman she's spoken to Gareth Taylor about returning and things like that but it does seem like that that alongside midfield and perhaps in a more attacking sense up front um that's becoming a fast a fast becoming an area of weakness to Man City so I think it was about being reactive in that moment 
when the ball came in uh, to Fleming, as you say, right in there, she knows straight away Steph's not keeping up. There is a there is a pocket of space available on the inside if I if I make myself available that I can then create a pass to to either cut back or a pass to for a tap in. I felt like those were the two options there, and and Kirby was just in the perfect position. And as soon as it got to Kirby, you knew straight away that she was going to score. It's just the reactive element, and that's Chelsea. That's Chelsea at, at its core. When we don't think and over, or overthink or hold back, we just behave in the moment as we know we can, and, and that's where the goals come from. You are right, though. It was against a run of play, but at the same time, it's 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 exactly what Chelsea do. It's what we did for so much of last season. It's what we did in the final game of last season, and it's taken us a game and a bit to, to get going again. Yeah, definitely. I... <laughs> And I do, I like that you mentioned, you know, taking the shot, like making sure that like you're putting the ball on target, because I think we had a couple chances before then where we were able to get Mm. behind their defense and either like Sam Kerr would pass the ball back and you're thinking, what are you doing? You're a 20 goal scorer, like a season, like why? Like I, I, I appreciate unselfish players. I really do. Uh, and unselfish selfish strikers, you know, when there's, when there's the opportunity to slide the ball across instead of taking a harder shot, I think it's really smart. But I was a little confused in some of those where I was like, Sam, what, what, hey, hey, what do you, do you want to score a goal? Like, <laughs> you're, is, that's your job. Like, you score the goal. You're passing the ball backwards and the defense is recovering. You're putting somebody in a worse position than you just were in to score a goal. So I think there's still some stuff to be worked out there. But, yeah, this was this was really good to see. Um, I've been waiting for like the first open play goal and it was a good one. So I was, I was thankful to see that, uh, go in. Uh, I do think like Fran Kirby, just, I love the way she moves without the ball. She just created that by just her positioning and finding the space because all of city was panicked and just like crowded. I don't know how many city players were crowded at the near post. There were so many, the goalkeeper was like pinned in by like three of her own players. And it was just like, you're leaving the entire goal open on the other side. And Wrighton was like, okay, well, I'll just take this very easy assist. Thank you. Speaking of absolute chaos, what were your thoughts on the minute before the second goal, the second penalty? Because that was like, Absolute chaos. City players everywhere. A couple of shots. A ricochet. Fran Kirby shot. Uh, Ellie Roebuck made a save. And then the penalty got called. And I saw it, right? I saw the, the referee point to the spot. And I was like, no one else has reacted. Maybe I just made it up in my head, right? Um, and then the funny thing is, right, they show, when they show in the replay, they show that the referee is confused, right? But then Sophie Ingle comes up and, like, explains to her what's just happened. And the ref's like, yep, absolutely correct penalty. <laughs> Shout they show her the they show her coming up to the ref and she's like, handful, it's hit the hand. And she's like, Yep. Um and then and then you tweeted, you tweeted from the account, just as Marin Miola's taking the kick, someone yells really loudly, kick it. And then someone else said it's probably Gareth Taylor, since that's what his tactics consist of kicking a ball, and I, I loved it. Um but it was chaos. It was a bit of chaos before that goal. Yeah, it was. And I was I, you know, we had a lot to say about the referees last episode. So in fairness, I'm gonna give them credit this this episode I think <laughs> you know there was an early foul that I think they didn't call and let go um against you know Buchanan against Shaw it could have been a penalty we wouldn't have had VAR I think if the, they showed a replay of it and I think that that foul happened outside of the box anyway um so maybe City should have had a, a free kick just outside of the box but you know just called it fair play and let it play on and I think that was good to do I think 
you know, in a match this big, you you don't want to change the game, especially that early. And you also want to be 100% sure. And that didn't look like a 100% certain penalty, so she didn't call it. And I appreciated that. And then, like you said, in this situation, I mean, the ball was pinging all over the place. I was just like, hopefully one of these times it falls to a Chelsea player and they just roof it into the net. I couldn't tell what was going on. And then when the ball, like I, I was one of those confused people at home. I was just like <laughs> the ball. I saw the hit this Aaron. I think it was Aaron Cuthbert's shot, wasn't it? And mm-hmm. then like she gets upended and I was like, oof, that looks painful. Hope Aaron's okay. The ball goes really high, like out of the frame at the top of the screen. And I was just like, okay, what happened? And then I see players kind of milling around and and players standing something by the was spot. Up. You knew and I was like, was oh, okay, we got we got a penalty, and I I got to give a credit to to the ref spotting that in that chaotic phase of play was very good, and we needed it, of course. Well, I think it was like it was almost right in front of her, but position in which, um, and I can't for the life of me remember because most most of City's players are now transitioning to blonde hair and and ponytails. This is this is an issue that's plagued me in my live match reporting days. I'm constantly going like, who is that player? Who are they? Um, but it was right in front of the referee and the positioning of her body made it quite clear that she had to put an arm up to protect her face. And unfortunately, that's now a handball. I'm not sure what the situation is in the men's side. I thought that those are, um, if it's unintentional, it's not counted or am I wrong? Well, I think it depends on the league, which is another fun thing about the whole VAR thing. Because, and I only say that because re- I think it was just yesterday I watched Portugal versus Czechia in the um, some sort of UEFA Nations League, whatever. I have no idea what they're doing over there. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> this actually made me laugh, and I talked about it on the timeline because it was very funny. And I'm not going to get into all the reasons I don't like this man because it'll be a very long podcast. But Cristiano Ronaldo got his face busted open uh, when he jumped for a header. And um, missed it, uh, or didn't didn't miss it, but he was offside. And the goalkeeper just like went up for the ball too, didn't completely aim for him, but just completely like got him right in the face. And he was like bleeding from his face, and it was kind of hilarious. Uh, and then the, <laughs> the 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 commentators are praising him for staying in the game, like oh he's so tough and all of that. And then he gives up a penalty just before halftime because he jumps in the air for a defensive header with his hand in front of his face to protect his. And I just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> oh, I didn't know about this. Penalty. Yes, it That's is very hilarious. funny. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, Schick missed the penalty, but it was very, very funny. I was rolling. I don't watch men's soccer all that much. But when that happened, I was just cracking up. So oh I God. think it is a rule where if your hand is up by your face in an unnatural position, like it really shouldn't be, I guess, you just take the contact to the face. I don't really know. It's hard, I, though. I saw it called just, just yesterday. So It's really hard. You know, like a week ago, um, me and some of my online friends, we played football, right? And there must have been at least six occasions in the game where someone fired a ball at me and I decided I was not going to do anything apart from cover my face. So um, I don't want to compare myself to you-know-who, but I'd like to say that it's it happens and it's it's yes. it's hard. Like it's like it's an automatic response. How hard must it be to train your body to not react? Unless you like in, in training, you decide you're going to spend half an hour people kicking balls at you and, and train your hands not to move to your face. It's hard. But like, as you say, it's it's fair. If, it, if they're going to be doing it consistently, then it's fair. You know, it happened to us in the last game and we were on the right side today. And um, I felt, I kind of felt a second goal was necessary because City were pressing yeah. us. City were doing what we weren't doing. Um, they were really pressing Berger like really hard and she was just doing her thing. <laughs> She's, She's going to so play chaotic. out every time. She's <laughs> going to pick her player. 
all the while Ooh, everyone else in the stadium is like please just just get rid of the ball please <laughs> um there was that one moment where i almost had a heart attack i don't even know if i can talk about it well i mean i guess we won so it's okay but it's just it's her style you know she that's just yes. how she does it but apart from that i felt i felt like i felt like you know city city were behaving like they were the team in front and we really needed that second goal and it came to us fortuitously but we will take everything we get so yeah, I wanna I wanna I wanna talk about AKB and and her just being chaotic back there. I think uh, she is. It's not a it's not a Chelsea game unless she's giving you at least one heart attack, and I think that that's just the way it goes. So we we deal with that. But she's so good with her distribution and playing out. Sometimes it can seem like she's very careless, but she likes to wait for a player to like fully commit so it opens up the most amount of space so she can release the ball. But yeah, sometimes like I think she. I think it was a back pass that she missed, mm-hmm. like putting her foot on, and it started rolling towards the goal, and it could have just gone straight across the line. Luckily, there wasn't a whole lot of pace on the ball, so she was able to catch up to it. But it was just one of those moments, like, oh, okay, stop, stop, stop. Like the game's going well. Don't give them a goal because then the game completely changes the game. But that's how she plays. Um, I and I also wanted to go back to the handball. I think you're right. It is difficult for players to do that, but I think what what ended up being the case in this instance is that. You know how for free kicks, we see it all the time. You know, players will be in the wall and they'll have their hands pressed up close to each other, like to protect either their face or, you know, another area of their body. Um, (laughs) So you see like you see their hands close. I think this one, it was like a forearm was Mm. up above like the eyes in the face. And I think that was the problem. If you have your forearm and your elbow up that high, you're 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 increasing the chance that and, and that is a very unnatural position. And you are increasing the chance that, you know, you're going to get some part of your hand that can't touch the ball is going to hit the ball. And, you know, your headers are legal. So I understand you may not want to take the shot directly in your head, but headers are legal. And if you're going to, you know, play a defensive situation, you know, jumping up with your elbow that high and your forearm that high, I I can absolutely see why the ref would call that. Um, I'm wondering, should we talk about players who we think had very good games yes absolutely I think I think we have to because I, f- I feel like we spent quite a bit of time talking about the slightly less fun things so yes. I'm I, I'm petitioned <laughs> to move to the fun things okay. yes <laughs> um Lauren James just an outrageous player so good I mean I know I mentioned it at the top um about being patient with her but already reaping the rewards. I mean, just everything that she, like, it's impossible to take the ball from her. And it doesn't matter. The thing that really gets me is it doesn't matter how many defenders come over to her. It's like she holds them off, body positioning, close control, keeps the ball under her feet, moves it away from their feet so that they can't do anything. Or they end up, if she does let you kick it, you're only going to kick it out of bounds and give her (laughs) and concede possession from a throw-in. So, like, she just does not allow you to take the ball from her. And it is such a unique thing to have. I don't really know. Like we saw um, Diani for France do that a lot in the Euros. She was kind of like used as their press breaker when they would have problems, you know, building up through the press. They just bring Diani down, roll the ball to her, and she's able to cr- protect the ball and move it forward or draw a foul. And Lauren James is the same, except she doesn't. I think the thing that makes her unique for me is that she doesn't look for a foul. She looks for an opportunity to get beyond the defense, behind the defense, or her vision is so good that while she's holding players off, 
while she's keeping control of the ball, she's able to make a very dangerous pass into the box. There was one where she was just like dribbling around and looks like she's just kind of waiting for somebody to step close to her. She pushes them off and she's waiting with the ball, just keeping the ball under her, rolling it here and there. And then she just fizzes the pass right into Fran Kirby. Unfortunately, Fran wasn't able to control it, but like the vision and the technique to just hit that pass without really any windup, I was like, yo, she is special. But like, here's, here's the thing though, as you say, another player who has been out for injury for so long and on top of that, very little game time last season. When she came on um, in the Conti Cup final, I think, against Man City, the one we lost, um, and she came on and there was a goal that was conceded immediately. And, and and I remember at the time, everyone was just saying, you know, she's not ready to play for Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea don't know how to fit her in. Um, the position that she's comfortable in doesn't make sense for their current setup. And if you think of where she was then and where she was now, I don't know, like obviously some kind of that's the thing some kind of plan has been happening this entire time all of that time she's been developing and growing and it's not just obviously getting back to fitness but it's very clear that Emma Hayes has been honing her for a very particular job and a very particular position and space and it's really fascinating to fathom that that you know you tell a player right I know you're not going to see maybe much of it for a whole year but just you wait you're going to be a star and look at her she's the star of the season I think she's going to maybe be the player of the season if she continues like this. Um, as you say, it's not just the dribbling aspect, it's the ability to be positionally aware, spatially aware of, of, of things around her, um, know when to pass, know when to evade players without even looking or, or knowing, just sort of an intuitive feeling. And that's something that you see in more experienced players. Um, but she seems to just be doing it effortlessly, naturally. And the position in which she's playing, which is really funny, you know, she's playing quite comfortably in the right left wing right left wing right wing back <laughs> I get those those little words confused um but you know Eve Perise is not is a player who should be fighting for that position and here she is being able to do it from from that role more centrally and even in a more interchangeable sense and I just feel like this isn't by chance Emma Hayes is, has almost you know developed her to be this and actually she's going to be the player of the season and who can possibly be a match for her? She's played, you know, we've played City already. Arsenal's midfield maybe is one that we could possibly run into trouble with. But when you have a player like that who's untouchable, how do you even plan a defence around them? I, I really don't get it. She's simply wonderful. And I, I think you're right. There's a really good piece written by our friend Flo in The Athletic, which I think was released during the game. Pretty good timing because she's been absolutely amazing. Yeah, I'm waiting for Emma to put... Uh, James at the 10 at some point. I think having her Ooh. in those central areas or helping with build-up play in center, central areas of the pitch is, I mean, she. I, I think you do want to protect her. You don't want her getting kicked a lot. Like, she will get fouled a lot. If we, mm -hmm. like we saw Bunny Shaw get fouled a lot um, because she was, you know, it was really hard to get around her to get the ball from her. Not in quite a similar way. Bunny Shaw is just a big presence to contend with um, and, and a very good player. So she was able to control the ball. Lauren James is you know, a bit quicker, a bit more technical, but I, I do think that you do have to be careful with how much punishment she absorbs. So I don't think you want to see her there in the entire season, but I do, like I am waiting because I know it's it's going to happen at some point and I really want to see what it's going to look like. Um, who else uh, stood out to you in terms of top performers? Well, I think we, we have to kind of mention Buchanan because we really painfully had to talk about her last episode and it was really, un, you know, she had a good performance and it was unfair and, and in, in mentioning the mistakes she made in the build-up to a goal. But I think 
today she was so strong you know she's really like she needed a game to be cemented in that back room. I think you mentioned earlier just just that whole game we there was so much we weren't prepared for because of things happening in the last minute but you know understand how that affects individual players uh, and the team itself so I think that it's hard to kind of sort of call her out on that but I think today we saw her she was strong she had a good presence we talked a lot about Millie Bright being the player who's able to be comfortable with possession who pings passes and can can instigate attacks but she was the one doing that today and she was the one who who started the pass in the build-up to Kirby's goal um completely comfortable but also so strong in her ability to know exactly when to play the ball and I think that's something that maybe as I say maybe only Bright's been that person but now we have a second person to do that you can you build that strength um and a sense of confidence and trust as well especially as I say as we're missing that defensive midfield player at the moment you have to 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 have players who play defensively, but also have the mind of knowing how to work the ball. And she is one of those players. And today she showed us that. Yeah. I love that you mentioned her passing because you were like, we were sad about, of course, losing the game and sad the way it happened because Buchanan had such a great game against Mm. Liverpool. And it sucks that the only thing people are going to remember is giving up that penalty late, but she turned it around in this game. She had a very composed performance. And as you mentioned, on the ball, I was just looking at her stats, passing stats while you were talking, and 89% pass accuracy, Damn. seven passes into the final third, and six of her eight long balls were, were accurate. Those aren't defender stats. You're no, lying. they're not. You <laughs> yeah, she was, she's so good. I think she doesn't get, I mean, there, yes, she has the physical attributes and, and the awareness of a very strong defender. She reads play very well. She positions herself very well. She had a couple, you know, battles, tough battles with with Bunny Shaw, and I think really was the only one that kind of even come close to matching Shaw's physicality. Um, I do think that Millie Bright and Buchanan did a very good job of when Shaw would try to get like that one touch and then strike the ball. They made sure they were first to the ball after that initial touch. So she did some defensive work too, but I think her passing is so underrated. She is such a unique, well-rounded player, and I think she really showed it in this match, like you said. It's just interesting though now whether we're gonna see this like this formation, this style of playing because if Emma Hayes saw it today and, and thought it didn't fit, is she gonna try that again for the next game, which literally just happens like in in three days, Wednesday I think we're playing again against West Ham. Uh, I, you know, obviously West Ham who lost today, they lost to United and it was a pretty one sided game. But there are so many things that I felt like were experimented today, and and I'm unsure of whether I want to see it again. But at the same time, you got to be consistent if you if you want to play like that. Uh, West Ham is another opportunity to play against a team who will concede a lot of chances and shots. So go, I think they conceded 20, 20 shots in total. Um, shots on target for United were eight, but twenty in total. Um, high possession game for United as well. I'm just looking at at the possession numbers. Five hundred and sixty eight passes compared to their two hundred and eighty. Clearly a team who you know give away a lot of possession and a lot of chances. So I feel like this is another game where we should be able to show our attacking and midfield dominance. But so was this game. Are we going to see a repeat of what we've done today? Or are we going to finally flex our muscles? I think that's a great way to put it because I could see Emma Hayes being like, we absolutely cannot be in a six-point hole to start the season. So by any means necessary, we're going to suffer through this one get through city and then maybe yeah. we can loosen some things up. So maybe, maybe you're right. And given that, I mean, we might as well just go ahead and do our quick predictions. How about, how about we do this? Um, because we are going to get out of here pretty quickly. 
Um, I I want you to give me like one player, new player to the team that you want to see start the game against West Ham and then score prediction. Gosh, um, score predictions. I think 2-0 two, two was a good shout, right? Because like I said, they did West Ham lost 2-0 today. Um, but then again, like us, you look at the other stats and you think it should have been more than two. And I feel like if we are going to kind of, you know, roll up our sleeves and actually go for it, two seems like a bit of a low number. Um, expecting some rotations only, you know, it's early in the season, but also this is a pretty quick turnaround. Um, it would be nice to see Perise start just because she hasn't had that yet. And she's, you know, she came on as a substitute today. And I think it would be good if we, she's going to become a rotational player, depending on what happens with James or, or even in Charles. Um, I think it's good to to get that feeling to gel within the team because she was so so productive in that position for France and I got to watch her live a couple of times. Um, I think it would be really interesting to see her start and I think West Ham are a team, as I say, they concede a lot of spaces on an attack and if we're going to be using our flank areas more and we're going to counter that way, it's much easier to then facilitate players playing in the 9 or 10 positions with crosses if you are playing with a player who's more sort of more comfortable and experienced with doing that in, in terms of providing. So I think that would be really interesting, having Perise in, and I think it's going to be a pretty comfortable win. Fingers crossed, pretty comfortable win. 3-0. Oh, you went up. You went, You said 2-0. Did I, now you say 3-0. Well, I, I said 2-0 like <laughs> should be like a good thing, but I don't I don't think that like looking at the United game today, looking at the stats, should be more than two, and I'm hoping that we, we consider scoring more than two because we, we need to... We need to reach Arsenal. They like they they don't care. They're scoring left, right, and centre. You know that goal yeah. difference could be very important come the end of the season. So two would be good. Like I'd be happy with two. Like I'm happy with two today. But today should be more. And so I'm thinking that should be more for that as well. Yeah, I think I agree. The attack is starved. They're hungry. They're gonna go off against somebody. I just kind of wish this game was happening like at mm-hmm. the weekend. I think if you give us a full week rest, you would see a very big score line. But I don't think you're gonna see that with the quick turnaround. So I'm thinking 3-0 is going to happen. I mean, that's still obviously a big scoreline, but we know Chelsea can can score six or seven uh, on teams. And I think you might see something like 5-0 if we had a week. Um, As far as the player that I want to see, I'm actually, you know, just for like, you know, because I think she deserves it. I think uh, Katarina Svikova is the one new player that hasn't seen any match time yet. Against her old uh, team. For Chelsea, yeah, against her old team. I think it'll be very interesting to see her um, maybe... This is the plan all along to get her in. But the player I really want to see is Kankovic. I mm-hmm. just really want to see what she can do um, in this midfield, help be a creative spark, move the ball around. I mean, if West Ham are going to give us the ball, she might be the perfect player to put in um, and try to and try to facilitate something going forward uh, as we kind of try to play a more possession-based and break down uh, a team if they're going to sit back. So if that's West Ham's game plan, which I would assume it's going to be, short rest, um, just kind of basically did the same thing against Manchester United. Uh, we have more attacking threat than United do, so I would anticipate them approaching the game similarly. So that's what I want to see. Um, before we get out of here, is there anything else you want to touch on with the game versus City before we leave? Um, I, I, you know, I think we've touched on everything. I think all we can do now, though, is wait for the next game because we need to see whether today was just an experiment or whether it's it's something that is going to continue. So I don't think we can really do any much more than just watch and see what happens, which isn't like the most exciting thing, especially when you're like anxious <laughs> about it. But what can you do? 
Well, I can tell you, if we approach the game today, <laughs> if this is like the standard approach, it's going to end me. It's just oh, going to no. end me. I this hope it's not the, the standard approach. I want to see, I want my old free-flowing, free-scoring Chelsea back, my intensity, my ruthless Chelsea. Where's the ruthlessness that we always talk about with Chelsea? I know, I know, I'm maybe being a little hard. I'm maybe being a little you know, uh, a, a bit of a brat because I'm spoiled because of how Chelsea <laughs> has won three consecutive titles and they've been, you know, done it in such flair and fashion most of the time. I mean, I just think back to the like, to the, the last, you know, the final match day last season, you know, down 2-1, come out and, you know, win 4-2. Oh, it's, 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 it was incredible. Like, I want to see that Chelsea again, but I get it. We needed to get three points. We got our three points. We needed to put City in a hole. We didn't need to start with a six-point hole to dig out of we know we're going it's going to be a long season but you start with a six-point hole and things get really really concerning considering how really the last three have gone um for us so um i get it emma i apologize for sounding down i just wanted my old chelsea back and hopefully we see it against west ham that sounds like a good place to end things All right. Well, I appreciate y'all listening. Uh, Remember to rate and review. We appreciate all the rating, all the reviewing that you do. Uh, Stay tuned with us for our Fran Kirby's Fight Club. We do all the match reviews. Uh, Follow us on Twitter and all that jazz. I suppose we'll talk to y'all. We'll see. Maybe we'll get a pod out after the West Ham game or we might save it to the weekend. We'll see. We'll figure it out. But either way, you won't have to go too long before hearing from us again. It'll at least be another week, maybe sooner. No, I was going to say, oh, maybe we won't post ever again, because what if the West Ham game involves the same setup? And you said you said that that would end you. And therefore, this would be the very possibly the very last episode of the Frank Kirby Fight Club. I mean, if we if if we if we do this approach versus West Ham, I will be. Ended. That's it. This might this, <laughs> just just consider that people as you were listening, that this could be it. <laughs> Savor this episode. It could be our last. Talk to y'all later. Bye.